All right. Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to um, Galatians chapter 6. We have been in a series on the book of Galatians. This week we are going to wrap it up. This is going to be our very last uh, week in the book of Galatians. Next week uh, we plan to start a new series in the book of Philippians. Start start reading the book of Philippians. There is a theme of joy and gospel partnership in, in the book of Philippians, fellowship in the gospel. Start reading it, taking notes. We are going to focus on that. It is one of the, the sunniest of Paul's epistles, uh, very positive and uplifting. Uh, and so start start digging into that for some encouragement. But we're going to wrap up and I'm going to just kind of sum up. Paul sums up kind of the, his heart, his message in the the epistle of uh, Galatians. The, the major theme that Paul emphasizes in the book of Galatians is a gospel theme. The book of Galatians focuses on being a gospel-centered people with a gospel-centered message. And the Galatian Christians were in trouble and being drawn away by Judaizers who had a legalistic message. They had the message of Jesus, but then they added to it. And as we've said, when you have Jesus plus anything else, you don't have Jesus. Right? You lose the benefits of what Jesus died for if you add anything to the gospel of Jesus Christ, of, of a message of grace, a message that, that we receive grace through faith, salvation through Jesus Christ, and we don't add anything to it. And, and the issues, the problems that Paul has been addressing in the, the, the epistle of Galatians is the issue of legalism. The issue of trying to earn righteousness and acceptance and favor with God by something that we do externally. And circumcision was the specific issue. There were Judaizers, Christians who were Jews, who were encouraging non-Jews, Gentiles, to get circumcised so that they can be right with God and so that they can have, they, they can be kind of next up, they can be varsity Christians and not freshmen Christians, right? And, and, and so, so Paul was pushing back on this and he had some very, very strong words to say because he was defending the core gospel message in the book of Galatians. He was pushing back on the false gospel that these guys were, were preaching. And so, uh, so we're going to wrap up this week. Last week we talked about gospel-centered relationships. We talked about gospel freedom uh, in chapter 5. We talked about gospel blessings in chapter 4. There is just this gospel theme that saturates and permeates the book of Galatians. And you know what? We are called to be a gospel-centered people too. That's what we are about here at City Church Garland. Paul was calling the Galatians to do the same. He was calling them to be a gospel-centered people. In Galatians chapter 6, I first heard a sermon on this back in 2000. Look up there on the screen. 2000, there was this event called Passion One Day. Some of y'all may have heard of it. This was actually a three-day event, but for some reason it was called Passion One Day. And it was at Shelby Farms, Tennessee. There were 40,000 college students there. I was a new Christian. I had been a Christian for about a year, a year and a half. I was a new Christian. 
on fire for Jesus. God had rescued me out of addiction and, and out of, actually I'm there with the shirt on that says addicted to Jesus. The imitation of Adidas. My shirt says addicted to Jesus because I had become addicted to Jesus. Uh, some of you guys recognize Pastor Brad Weir there on the far left and Cody Pope there between us. Uh, three, three of us in this picture are now lead pastors, by the way. Another guy, Lonnie Sawyer, uh, is a lead pastor. Um, but anyways, we went to this uh, event and we heard John Piper preach a message on Galatians 6.14, what we're going to look at today, that uh, about boasting and the cross and the cross alone. And that event and that particular sermon had a profound impact upon my life. John Piper was calling all these young college students to turn away from the American dream. This, this, this dream of just getting a nice house, getting married, having two kids and a dog, good health, good job, and not go to hell when you die. And he was calling these young students, and I was amongst them. Actually, I was a high school dropout at that point, but I loved Jesus. I ended up going back and get my, my bachelor's degree, but at that point... I didn't really fit in with the college student guys, but I was, I was that age. And, uh, John Piper, one of the things he said is in that message, he said, you don't have to know a lot of things to make a great impact in the world. You just gotta know a few really great things. Like the message of the cross. The message of the cross of Jesus Christ. And that was the message that transformed my life and set me free. I became a new creation and God put me on a trajectory. December 12th, 1998. And this was one of, uh, one of the, the important points in my life where God steered me more and more to being a gospel centered person, building my life upon the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ and boasting in nothing else. And that is what, what Paul is going to focus on here in this passage. He is going to focus on being a gospel centered person. Look, let's look at Galatians 6. Verse 11, see what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. But even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for for all who walk by this rule, peace And mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Amen. Powerful stuff. This is where we're going in the text today. Uh, Christians are called to major on the message of the cross of Christ and through it die to worldly ways. 
Christians are called to major on the message of the cross of Christ and through it die to worldly ways. Paul had become a gospel-centered man. And and throughout his letters, we see him calling the churches to center their lives on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not on our works, not on trying to earn salvation, not on the things we do, not on our external disciplines. While Paul did call Christians to be disciplined and to be righteous and to be godly and obey God's commands, he called them first to put their hope in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. And so we're going to look at a couple marks of a gospel-centered life. And before we do, I want to ask you, are you gospel-centered? Are you gospel-centered? First of all, do you know what the gospel of Jesus Christ is? Do you know the message intimately and accurately? And do you have a passion to tell other people about it? Or is it just a side thing to your Christianity? This has to be a central element to our Christianity, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to know what it is and we need to be able to communicate it. The gospel is simply the good news of Jesus Christ, the message of Jesus Christ who came as our savior to rescue us from our sins by living a sinless life, laying down his life as the perfect sacrifice for our sins being resurrected from the dead on the third day and offering to all who come to him in faith forgiveness of sins, freedom from the dominion of sin, and everlasting fellowship with him forever. That is a snippet of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of things we can say. Paul has some summary statements in the book of Galatians of what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. He starts off... In chapter 1, saying that Jesus gave himself to deliver us from this present evil age. That uh, chapter 4, that, that God sent forth his son at the right time, at the fullness of time. He sent forth his son to redeem us. Okay, so Paul has these summary gospel statements that he makes throughout here, throughout this. And so the gospel of Jesus Christ centers on Jesus Christ and his finished work at the cross. His death, his burial, and his resurrection. Okay, so the gospel-centered life is a life that boasts in the cross, not in in self. Notice what these Judaizers were boasting in. We all boast in something. We are all boasters. I mean, um, how many football fans here? Okay, who's your team? Uh, Do you see, do you hear the tone of voice how they say, Broncos, Chiefs, Cowboys, right? Do you hear that? That's just a little tinge of a boast. They're, they're trying to be humble about it. Broncos, Chiefs, Cowboys, right? All right, but that, there's a boast in there. And when they win, if they win a playoff game, they win the Super Bowl, there is a boast. It's going on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. There is going to be a boast. We boast in, the, in things that we delight in, things that we consider great, things that we identify with, things that we may find validation from. Our affirmation from, now I'm not just trying to pick on our sports guys here. What, what else do you guys boast in? Let's just think about it. Just for a moment. I'm, I'm already jumping in the application here. Sorry. Well, well, we'll talk about that afterwards. Okay. What's that? Jobs, children, nationality. Come on guys. Let's, let's do some interaction. School, that your degrees. 
How about those of us who are from Dallas, city folk, right? Like you don't feel it until like you go somewhere else and we're like, yeah, I'm from Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> from this country town. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I'm from Dallas, right? Like we, there's things we just boast about that we identify with that are so connected to our identity. And the Bible does talk about boasting in more than just the cross. The Bible, Paul talks about boasting in his weakness. Paul talks about boasting in the churches, like they were his pride and joy in the book of Philippians, I believe we'll see uh, in a few weeks. Um, he talks about uh, let him who boasts not boast in his riches or his wisdom or his strength, but let him who boasts boast that he knows and understands me. Right? The scripture says, right? Jeremiah 9. And, and so, so, so what does Paul mean here when he's talking about boasting only in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ? What is Paul getting at? And, and John Piper points this out, is that boasting only in the cross means that all of our other boasts are traced back to the finished work of Jesus Christ so that all the graces and all the mercy you and I experience come through the cross and only because Jesus died for you on the cross. Okay? So last night we experienced mercy. We went to Chipotle for dinner as a family. And my four-year-old decides she's going to run to mom on the other side of the parking lot. And there's a truck coming. And I said, Abigail! I, I hurt her feelings. I scared her. But she stopped. And she didn't get hit by this truck. Praise God. But it was, it was, a, it was an intense moment. Because I saw my daughter headed for destruction. And she stopped. Thankfully, at my voice. She obeyed my voice. That's good advice, children. Children, obey your parents. For this is pleasing to God, right? Okay? You will save yourself much pain, children, and destruction by obeying your parents. It is good for you. If you want a good long life, then obey your parents. Did we deserve to have mercy there? No. If I got what I deserve, if we all got what we deserve, it would be death. Hell, destruction. The wages of sin is death. But Jesus comes and he dies upon the cross. He didn't deserve that because he didn't sin. He died in our place. He hung there. A shameful death, a humiliating death. He hung there in our place. And now we get mercy and grace in this life. And in the age to come. So every trickle of grace and mercy and love that flows to us, it comes through the cross. Christ has provided that through the cross. So if you're going to boast about anything, make sure you go back to the cross and you remember that what you have in this life, the blessings that you have, the good things that you experience in this life are because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? That is what the gospel-centered life does. It boasts in the cross, not in self. Our temptation is to boast about how great we are. I love a quote from uh, Matt Chandler. He says, be aware of being an expert of your own greatness. And uh, be aware of being uh, an expert of your own greatness and, and also an expert of other people's weaknesses. Something like that. You're, you're, 
You, you, you boast of your greatness. You, you know how great you are or how great you think you are. And you know how weak everybody else is. Like you major on your greatness and everybody else's weaknesses. Be aware of that, right? That's not an exact quote, but that's the gist of it. And so, so these Judaizers, they didn't want to be persecuted for the message of the cross. They wanted to be accepted in the Christian community because they had identified with the Christians. These were Jewish uh, professing Christians. And they wanted to be accepted in the Jewish community. They wanted the Christian community and the Jewish community who hadn't become Christians yet. They wanted, they wanted a foot in both. They wanted favor in both. And remember Paul said, in chapter 1, if, if he said, if I was trying to please man, if I was seeking the approval of man, trying to please man, then I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. Paul's addressed this already, and he's getting to the root of the issue. If we're, if we're trying to be people pleasers, and we're trying to, and we're telling people just what they want to hear so that they like us, we're loving the world. We haven't been crucified to the world yet. And so these guys, they wanted to have these Gentile Christians circumcised, you know, and these are adults too, right? A lot of adults here, getting men getting circumcised so that they can be varsity Christians. At least that was the, kind of the mindset. In order that they may not be persecuted and that they may boast. Look at verse 13. They desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. They, they want to have the recognition of, yeah, I led this guy to circumcision. Yeah, he's my disciple, right? They, they wanted, they wanted another notch on their belt. And you see, Paul pushes back on that with the message of grace, with the message of the gospel. And he says, I'm not going to boast about those things. I'm going to boast about the cross, the finished work of the cross. The only reason any of us can be saved is because of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And so Paul said in Philippians 3, Paul gives his resume. There are other things that Paul could have boasted in. Okay, in Philippians 3, and in several weeks we'll be here, but I just want to read this. For we are the circumcision who worship the Spirit of, who worship by the Spirit of God, as opposed to fleshly worship. We worship by the Spirit of God and we glory in Christ Jesus. So he's our grounds for boasting, namely Christ and his finished work at the cross. We put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, a tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal of persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Is that how you feel about your achievements and your resume? That you count it all as a loss, that when it comes to your validation and value as a person, your identity and your affirmation as a person, does it come because of Jesus Christ and his finished work at the cross? Or does it come through all the good things that you've done? When you're put on the spot, do you bring up your resume? Say, look at how good I am. Or do you take refuge in Jesus Christ and his finished work at the cross that is a banner over your life? So Paul was gospel-centered. He called the churches to be. 
The second thing here is that the gospel-centered life is dead to the world. Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Have you been crucified to the world and has the world been crucified to you? What does that mean? Again, I want to turn to John Piper explaining this. This is from his book, 50 Reasons Why Jesus Came to Die. Can you guys think of five reasons Jesus came to die off the top of your head? John Piper writes a book, 50 Reasons Why Jesus Came to Die. This has been, uh, outside of the Bible, this has been my favorite book. Just because it's, it's simple and it has profoundly impacted me. I, I started reading that around 2000, 2001. And it, God has used this to help me be a, a cross-centered, gospel-centered follower of Jesus. This is what he says. When you put your trust in Christ, the overpowering attraction of the world is broken. You are a corpse to the world and the world is a corpse to you. Or to put it positively, you are a new creation. Galatians 6.15 The old you is dead. A new you is alive. The you of faith in Christ. And what marks this faith is that it treasures Christ above everything in the world. The power of the world to woo your love uh, away has died. Being dead to the world means that every legitimate pleasure in the world becomes a blood-bought evidence of Christ's love and occasion of boasting in the cross. Amen. So that's what I think Piper does a good job explaining what it means to be crucified to the world. What is the world? First John 2.15 uh, through 17 tells us, First uh, John 2.15, do not love the world or the things of the world. What's he talking about here? John 3.16 says, for God so loves the world, okay, that he gave his only begotten son. He's speaking of the people of the world. Here in 1 John, he's speaking about the world system and he talks, he defines it here. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Amen. So through the power of the cross, you and I have been crucified to the world. And if you ever feel some wooing from the world rising up within you, then use the power of the cross to fight against it and be reminded, as Paul said in Romans chapter 6, you died. You're dead. Consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God. Well, I don't feel like that right now. Well, consider it to be so. You've been crucified with Christ. Paul said this in in Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but the life that I now live. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. And He gave Himself for me. This is the key to fruitful, effective Christian living. It's found at the cross. Christ has given us righteousness. He's taken our place. He's redeemed us. So don't love the world by the power of the cross. Crucify the flesh. 
and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul's already talked about this in Galatians chapter 5. Put to death the deeds of the flesh. Romans 8, um, 12 and 13. Put to death the deeds of the flesh by the Spirit. So the gospel-centered life also values spiritual transformation versus external ritual. So these Judaizers were focused on the external mark of circumcision. That's the varsity Christian, right? For the Judaizers, right? Uh, Paul says, no, no, you guys got it all wrong. It's not about what you do. It's about what God has done in making you a new creation in Christ Jesus. Galatians 6.15, for neither circumcision counts for anything. Counts for nothing. It's, there's no value to it. If you get circumcised... It, it doesn't, it's, it counts for nothing. I mean, there may, you know, medical research would argue there's some physical benefits, but spiritually speaking, there are, it, there's no value to it. It's not going to add to your value as a Christian. And you can put in there whatever else you want. There are lots of things that we think, well, if I start doing this, then I'm going to be a varsity Christian, right? Okay, when it comes to your position before Christ, before the Father, uh, those, there's nothing else that adds to our, our value as Christians. We are children of God because of what Christ has done, and we have received that free gift by faith. For, for neither circumcision counts for anything, neither nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. The new creation speaks of God's work. Okay, there was the first creation in the beginning. God said, let there be light, right? God created. And the new creation, you becoming a new creation, you being saved, you becoming a child of God, you getting born again, that is a supernatural work that no man does, but God does. Through the gospel message and the work of the Holy Spirit, He opens your eyes. You were once dead, now you're alive. You were once blind, now you see. You were once lost, you're now found because of Jesus Christ and his finished work for you at, at the cross. F.F. Bruce says this about this verse. He says, whereas Paul was concerned about the Spirit's inward work in his converts so that Christ should be formed in them, Galatians 4.19, the Judaizers' concern was for an external mark, a mark produced in the flesh of those whom they would win over to their side. Here, here at City Church, we are not going to uh, address, we're not going to focus on external behavioral stuff as much as we are going to focus on the heart. We're going to go for the root, not just the fruit. Okay, In our parenting, we're going to be gospel-centered in that way. It's not just behavioral conformity that we want from our kids. We want their hearts to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. To honor and love their mom and dad. To love their siblings. To love other people. To not be selfish, but to be loving towards others. We want that for every person here. To truly know Jesus. Because you can be a devoted religious person, go in the church, even the best of churches, and not know Jesus. You can do a lot of many wonderful things and hear those fearful words from Jesus Christ on the day of judgment. Depart from me. I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. Okay? What matters is do you know him? Are you a new creation in Christ Jesus? Has God changed you from the inside out? That is a gift of grace. You don't have to work for it. You receive it by faith. 
And we lean upon that grace. We rest in that grace and what God has done. Loving people, that is something that comes from the inside out. Okay? In, in, in Romans 12, Paul says, let love be without hypocrisy. Genuinely love people. Don't just be committed to appearing loving to people. Like, really be committed to loving people. Some people, hopefully none of us, some are more committed to appearing loving than they actually are committed to really loving people. Are you committed to, to displaying an image that you're a loving person? Or are you really committed to loving people genuinely from the heart? That is a work of the Spirit in your heart that the Holy Spirit does. That's a result of being a new creation, having new desires, having a new power, having the work of the Spirit in your life. So the gospel-centered people focus on spiritual transformation, not external ritual and conformity. We go for the heart. And the gospel has the power to change that. Amen? It's the only power. That's the power that changed Paul, Saul, who was a terrorist, murdering Christians. And he became one of the greatest missionaries and apostles because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, Jesus did show up and like knock him off of his horse and appear to him, right? Uh, but it was the, the good news of Jesus that Jesus extended to him that he experienced. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. Do you believe the good news of Jesus? And is it powerfully working in your life? Oh, I got a laser here. That's pretty cool. Okay. The gospel's like a laser. It's like a, it's like a laser and you focus it in on your heart and you let it transform your heart. Laser is, um, la- lasers can cut through steel. Right? Those lasers actually can be made. They're made out of diamonds. Thank you for giving us that information, Rainin. <laughs> lasers can cut through steel. It is light, highly concentrated, and it can cut through, it has the power to cut through steel. The gospel has the power to change the most wretched of hearts when it is concentrated on a life, when it's concentrated on a heart, and when that heart responds with faith. So shine the light of the gospel on your on your family members, on your friends, everywhere you go, with your coworkers. Shine the light, knowing that God can change the hardest of hearts, the most wicked of people, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel-centered life is also accompanied by persecution. Notice this. Paul says in verse 17, he says, From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. What was he talking about? This brother had scars. Because he had become a Christian, he got scars on his on his back. Okay, Acts 16, him and uh, his homeboy Silas were preaching the gospel in Philippi. He gets beaten, lashed, thrown in the prison, chained up. He's praising God. This brother had scars on his back. He got stoned, pelted with stones. It looked like he had died, but he was actually still alive, right? God spared his life. This brother went through some beatdowns. He had literal marks on his body, and he calls them the marks of Jesus Christ. The only reason he got those marks was because he wasn't ashamed to proclaim the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ. He, and he didn't hold back, even though it might have resulted in death and actually ended up at one point resulting in death for him at the end of his life. 
um, he still proclaimed that message. The Judaizers were cowardly and they wanted the approval of people. They wanted the worldly uh, affirmation. They wanted everybody to like them, to like them on Facebook if there was Facebook, to follow them on Twitter and follow them on Instagram if they were uh, if they were in, in our day. So they wouldn't have said anything that would offend everybody else. They would tweak the message and, and accommodate it to everybody, the Jews and the Gentiles. Right? And so, so Paul was not like that and Jesus wasn't like that. He, they, they both spoke the truth in love, but they spoke the truth and it caused people to hate them. It caused, it caused persecution. Paul said in verse 12 that the Judaizers, they want a good showing in the flesh. They would force you to be circumcised in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. So what's their plan? We don't want to be persecuted. We don't want people to not like us. We don't want to get beat up like Paul because that dude's getting beat up all over. He got marks all over him. We don't want that for us. So let's just change the message a little bit. Circumcision. Let's water it down. Let's tweak it. Let's. We don't have the freedom or the right to change the message. We're just, we're just the, the mailmen and women. We just deliver the package. We just deliver the mail. We don't change the message. We just make sure it gets to the mailbox. We're the Amazon, uh, for just to be a little more relevant. We're the Amazon delivery folks. Okay. We don't, we don't throw it though at, 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 at the, at the houses and beep. You know, we don't do those things that some of the Amazon drivers have gotten in trouble for. Uh, we graciously bring the message. <laughs> if you work for Amazon, I'm so sorry. I'm, uh, I love Amazon. We use Amazon. Uh, we graciously bring the message. So we, the persecution shouldn't be because we're being a jerk for Jesus. It should be because the message itself really is offensive to non-Christians, to the world. The message of the cross is offensive and it is foolishness to the world. First Corinthians 1.18, Paul said this, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Is it the power of God to you? Is it powerful to you? Do you love it? Do you cherish it? Do you talk about it? Do you saturate yourself in it? Do you read books that are gospel-centered? Do you listen to podcasts that are gospel-centered? That center on the gospel of Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection, who Jesus is, and what He did for us. Paul said, he goes on in 1 Corinthians 1, he says, We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, and folly to the Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. We're committed to this message here. We, you're going to hear it over and over. It's going to come out in different ways, but this is going to be the message you're going to hear every week here. In communion, we, we take communion every week here in the middle of our service, and that is designed to help us be gospel-centered, cross-centered, Christ-centered. We are reminded every week why we have a relationship with God, why we're accepted, why we're loved, how we, we've been loved by God, whether we walk in here feeling like it or not. Whether we walk in here feeling worthy to enter the presence of God or not, we remember that we are loved and accepted and brought into the family because of Jesus' death for us at the cross. So it's offensive because, let me tell you why this message is, is offensive to people. It's offensive because it implies the fact that Jesus died, the sinless Son of God died for us sinners, 
It implies that we have a big need that we can't meet. The fact that Jesus died for your sins implies that you can't rescue yourself. You can't make yourself better and earn your way to heaven. You can't throw a baseball from here to China. It's not happening. Don't even try. Might break your neighbor's window, right? You can't. You don't have the ability. You don't have what it takes to save yourself. And so Christianity is distinct. It's different from other religions because we're not trying to work our way up to God by our good works. Jesus Christ came down to us. He became a missionary. He lived on this in this world. He lived a life. We're in the body and he never sinned and he died for our sins and he came down to rescue us when we couldn't rescue ourselves. That's the message. That's offensive. People don't want to hear that they're, they're flawed. They're broken. They want, they want affirm me. Tell me how good I am. Tell me how awesome I am. Right? And so what, what the world does is the world lowers, uh, moral standards. Really, you know, that adultery is not really that bad. You know, that, that lying, you know, it's just exaggeration. It's not really that bad. They'll, they'll, they'll lower the standards to try to address your guilt for being a sinner. Uh, but, but it doesn't, it doesn't remove it. It doesn't clear your conscience like the gospel of Jesus Christ does. You see, the reason why the gospel clears our conscience is because we're sinners and we deserve death and, and hell. But Jesus took that on himself. So he removes it. He, he took it so we don't have to carry the penalty for it anymore. So the message of the cross is offensive and it's foolishness to the world. I mean, just think about for, for the, the, the thinker, the intellectual perceiving the, the Christianity. Okay. This is your leader. He's dying on a cross there. He looks pretty weak. He looks pretty foolish hanging on that cross half naked. If he really was the son of God, why didn't he get off of there? Why didn't he fight? Why didn't he just blow everybody up that's trying to mess with them? Because that wasn't the way. God had planned. The father had planned. That Christ would die for our sins. That Christ would rescue us and save us through the cross. Through the message, through what Christ has done. And so in application, I'm going to land this plane. Application. Let the cross of Christ be your grounds for boasting, not your accomplishments. Not how popular you are. Not how smart you are. Not how successful you are in business. Or how great of a parent you are. Or how great of a wife or a husband you are. Or whatever your job is. Or whatever degrees you have. Don't let any of those other things be the grounds for your boasting. Let it be the cross of Jesus Christ. What He has accomplished eternally there for you at the cross. Let that be. Your pride and joy, if you will, if I can say that in that way. And then stand against the lure of the world with the power of the cross. If this world has a hold on you and a grip on your heart, then use the, the, the laser power of the message of the cross and shine it and point it right at that area of your heart. Confess it. To God, confess your sin, confess your struggle, and let the fight it with the power of the cross. Let the power of the cross cleanse that out of you, cut that out of you. And then don't be ashamed or shrink from speaking the message of the cross. Yeah, it was a bloody cross. 
It was a terrible event in some sense. Right? It looked terrible to, for his mother, for Mary, to see her son there hanging on the cross. It's terrible. It's terrible to kill an innocent man. That was unjust. It's terrible. Why? Yet it is profoundly glorious and good for you and for me because that was God's plan and His way to save us from our sin. Amen? If you guys would bow with me in prayer, we're gonna, we're gonna respond in worship. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you haven't received what He's done for you as a free gift for your salvation, I want to invite you to receive that. If you're, if you've been loving the world, and it has a grip on your heart. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. I want to invite you to the cross. We sang at Passion One Day 2000. It was actually three days. We sang it, and I remember they had a cross, and they were carrying a big cross going through, and it was like a Christian Woodstock. And this was this this was such a powerful, as a new Christian, this was such a powerful moment for me. I saw Christians just glorying in the cross rejoicing in the message of the cross we're just carrying this cross through and we're singing about it tears are rolling down people's cheek and cheeks and, and we're just just thanking God for all that he's accomplished for us through the cross of Jesus Christ and so we want to do that today let's glory in the cross let's boast in the cross like we would for our favorite sports team like we would for graduating high school or college or having a new baby or getting married. Like like maybe at your wedding day. I don't know about you, but I was jumping higher than I've ever jumped at my wedding reception. I was dancing like a crazy happy guy. I was glorying. And I'm able to experience all those good things in life because of the cross. And the same for you. So it's saying you can stand if you'd like. Father... Thank you for your goodness that is displayed ultimately at the cross. May we be a gospel-centered people, a cross-centered, Christ-centered people that give ourselves to the gospel, to you for the gospel's sake. Would you meet us here? In Jesus' name. Survey the home.